We are continuing our series this morning on how to live the good life now. And last week we are, we've been looking at the Proverbs. We saw the need to ask spiritual questions above asking physical questions. And many times when we're making decisions, that's the last thing we ask is about how this will impact the kingdom of God, how it will impact me spiritually, how it will impact my family spiritually, how it will impact the congregation. Instead, we often just think about, will I be comfortable? Will I be happy? Does this please me? And these are not the right questions. And that's what Solomon has taught his son as we've been moving through the Proverbs. I also have brought up to you that I do really feel there's a a very personal tone that the Proverbs carry as a father to a son. That Solomon is sitting down with his son and explaining to him the ways of life, wanting to have his son have it as easy as possible, not to make the mistakes that he has made in his life, but to learn from his mistakes and his poor decisions and from his wisdom that he has. In this lesson, we're going to notice that his son, that Solomon spends a lot of time with his son dealing with how to avoid sexual sins. And I think it's really good that he does because it reminds us that the temptations and the struggles that everyone here faces on a constant basis, that the onslaught of sexuality that exists in our society existed 4,000-some years ago too. And that's what Solomon has to sit down with his son, this young man, and say to him, here's the things that you need to do and dealing with the sexual temptations to be able to live the good life. If you will, open your Bibles to Proverbs chapters 5, 6, and 7. Some of the texts will be in the PowerPoint. The lengthier ones will not. So if you'll open your Bibles there, you can follow along with me in the Proverbs. Here we see that one of the ways that Solomon begins in in teaching his son, and we've noted it many times, that as a a father sits down with his son, the son often does not want to hear the the wise words of the father, but, but thinks he knows it all, that Solomon again, as he gives this instruction, begins by saying, well, here's the benefits. Here's why you need to pay attention to the things I'm about to tell you, and why this is going to be helpful in life, And so he starts by describing the snare that sexual temptation brings. And I love verse 3 of chapter 5. And Solomon says, For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. And that's, that's an interesting beginning to, to sit down with your son and say, Son, what's going to happen in, in the temptation of, of sexual sins? Is that... This person's going to say things that are going to catch your ear. And that's how it starts. They're going to offer the flattering word. They're going to say something that's going to make you feel good. And that's going to catch your attention, my son. That's going to catch your ear. And he's warning them and saying, realize that that's the beginning. And often when we talk about fornication, we talk about adultery, we talk about falling into sexual sins, we often think of it in terms of a very overt thing, that that somebody's going to walk up to you and say, I want you to have an affair today. That's not the way it works. And that's what we have to recognize. We often think it's going to be really blatant and really obvious and just stand there right before us. And we, you know, if you were asked the question, will you have an affair today? No. Well, will you commit sexual morality today? Well, no. But that's not the way it begins. And that's what he's saying to his son. My son, it begins with somebody just even saying some nice 
flattering words that really kind of make you feel good. And they kind of touch the heart to you and you go, oh, thank you. And it has some meaning to you and it kind of weighs upon your mind. And uh, You remember back when you were dating and some girl said something, boy, you thought about that for days. Boy, did, did she mean it like that? You know, and that's that's kind of the idea of what he's saying here. Is it? You know, it may seem very innocent, but you can go a little bit further with that, and it's going to weigh upon your mind. And he goes on and says, "Do not desire her beauty in your heart, and do not let her capture you with her eyelashes." I like that. <laughs> This is definitely father to son as he, he says that. And you say, you know, they're, they're going to say some nice things and they're going to be attractive. It's going to be appealing. Uh, it's not going to be something. Sexual sin is, is not something where uh, it, it doesn't appeal to physical desires. It doesn't appeal to the eyes. And Solomon is being very straightforward and direct with his son and just says, you know, She's going to turn your head, my son. Be, be warned. Be careful. And that happens. And we have to be careful about the, this, about sexual temptations that way. Somebody says a, a nice thing. And they look pretty nice. And you begin to think. And notice that's what Solomon says. The desire of her beauty in your heart. You begin to think about it. You begin to meditate about it and ponder it. You don't just wake up one day and commit sexual sin. Not typically. Usually it's something that dwells in the heart. And you think about it, that would be enjoyable. That would be nice. And that's what he's warning his son. Be careful, my son. It's in the heart there and it's going to appeal to you. And notice how it gets even even more overt now. As you come to chapter 7, Come, let us take the fill of love till morning. This is, this is the woman speaking to, to the, the son. This is Solomon describing what this woman would, would potentially say. Come, let us take our fill of love till morning. Let us just delight ourselves with love. For my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He took a bag of money with him. At full moon he will come home. With much seductive speech, she persuades him. With her smooth talk, she compels him. And notice the progression that Solomon goes through. Is that first, you say, oh, says, says some nice things. It, it, it captures your ear. The next is that it captures your eye. And then you begin to rationalize. And that's what Solomon points out. What happens next is you say, nobody's going to know. I'm not going to be caught. Who's going to know if I engage in this? Who's possibly going to know if I do this? And that's what this woman is expressing. We've seen in the the Proverbs how wisdom speaks. Here is the forbidden woman speaking. This is the woman who is not your spouse. This is the woman who's, who's alluring you away. And so here is this woman speaking. And all the words are is, you're going to get away with it. Nobody's going to know. You can have your cake and eat it too. Is essentially what we describe it in our society. Is you can do whatever you like, and nobody's going to know any better. And that's what Solomon is praying upon his son. Is saying she'll turn the ear, she'll turn the eyes. But then, even worse of all, is you will begin to think in your mind, "I can get away with this. Nobody has to know." And so he begins with the snare of the temptation. And it's important for us to realize that this is the methodology of the temptation. That it isn't going to be, hi, how are you? Uh, Let's go to a motel somewhere. It doesn't go that way. But you begin to think in your mind about it more and more. 
you begin to allow the desire to remain in your heart. And then you begin to think, nobody will know the better. Nobody will know the difference. And that leads us down the road of engaging in sexual sin. And so you can imagine Solomon, I just visualized him with his son on the couch. My son, this is how it works. You see those warning signs happening, you better watch out. You watch out when those things start happening. Somebody says something, well, that, 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 you don't have any right. Don't look, don't, don't allow that appeal to remain in your heart. And then even further, don't begin to justify it in your mind. Now Solomon is going to do three things to help his son in this text. First, he's going to give some general warnings about why he should not engage in sexual sin. Then he's going to list some very specific consequences that are derived from engaging in sexual sin. And then he's going to conclude by telling them, telling his son, here's how to avoid sexual morality. So let's begin with Solomon's descriptions. Here he gives some general warnings about sexual sins. In verses 5 through 6 of, of, of chapter 5, what is interesting is he points out that he says the end result of this is bitter. And I think that's important to look at. Proverbs 5 verse 3, Though the lips of the forbidden woman drip honey, and her words are smoother than oil, in the end she's as bitter as wormwood, and as sharp as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, her steps head straight for shield. She doesn't consider the path of life. She doesn't know. That her ways are unstable. Now what Solomon said here is, is really important. Because essentially what Solomon just did, he says, think about what happens after that. And that's where our movies kind of do us the disservice. You know, that in the movies, you know, it, it appears so romantic and isn't that other person wonderful? And I really just appreciate, I say with sarcasm, how these movies repeatedly present, you know, the husband is such an ogre at home, he's so terrible and awful, and boy, it's just a, a, a drudgery of life, and then here comes the knight in shining armor, and how does it begin? Oh, he speaks really nice things to her. Oh, Solomon just said that. <laughs> and he looks very good, too, doesn't he? Oh, Solomon said that, too. And then what happens is they begin to think about it. Yeah, that's not, we, we could get away with this. And the whole movie is about how... The husband was the terrible ogre, and isn't it wonderful that she's found true love as it pans through the fireplace, you know. And, and Solomon steps back and says, but what happens next? That's where the movies drop off. And you think in your mind, it's happily ever after, right? And Solomon says, oh no, bitterness now takes over. Nobody thinks about what happens next. And that's what is going on here that Solomon says to his son. It's as bitter as wormwood and as sharp as a double-edged sword. It sounds so great on the surface until you're on the other side of committing that sin and it cuts you through and through. And you're not going to be happy. You won't be satisfied. You won't be content. And that's what he's saying to us. So realize what's going to happen. And that's what the rest of this is talking about. Notice that the last sentence. She doesn't consider the path of life. You know, that's what happens in sexual sins. Nobody's thinking about what happens next when she has to go home to her husband. <laughs> no, we're not going to talk about that. We're not going to show that part. That's what he's talking about here. Doesn't consider the path of life. Nobody thinks about the impact of what that just did to all the people involved. 
it's devastating. And that's what Solomon is trying to engage his son to think about, is realize she doesn't know that these ways are unstable. She doesn't consider the path of life. It's all about the here and now and fulfilling a desire that is immediate. And not thinking about the consequences. Not thinking about the end results. And that is the first warning he gives to his son. You need to think about the consequences. See the end result of what's going to take place if you engage in sexual sin. The second thing that he points out is in chapter 6 when he just simply says, you're going to hurt yourself. And I like how he describes it. Chapter 6 verse 27. Can a man carry fire next to his chest and his clothes not be burned? I love that. (laughs) And you sit there and go, ludicrous. You can't carry fire next to your chest and not burn your clothes off. Or can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? Once again, ludicrous. Of course you would. So is he who goes in to his neighbor's wife. None who touches her will go unpunished. You see what Solomon just did for his son? He says, what we like to think is that nobody will know and get away with it and all of that. And he just says, can you carry fire right up close to your chest and that not just burn your clothes? You can't do that. Can you walk on hot coals and that not burn your feet? No, you can't do that. Nor can you go unpunished engaging in sexual sins. He just tied all three together. Just as crazy it is to think that you can get away with carrying fire next to your chest, it's just as dumb to think that you're going to get away with engaging in sexual sins. Dumb. (laughs) And that's what he just wants them to say. Son, that'd be dumb. Don't be dumb. Don't do that. And so he wants them to understand the end result's bitter. Don't follow down that road. And he tells them, you're going to hurt yourself. And it's foolishness to think otherwise. Friends, it is foolishness to think otherwise. We'd go up to somebody and say, you're a complete and utter fool if you think that you can carry burning fire in your arms and that not hurt you. But we don't think about that when it comes to spiritual life. That we're absolutely foolish to think that's not going to have an impact on our lives. In chapter 7, and as many of you know, the Proverbs are really written to the young man. And he points out that the young man is the one who is very susceptible to this temptation. And by no means do I want to suggest, well, when you get older, you know, you just kind of get out of that problem. I I don't think that's exactly the case. But younger people are much more susceptible to the problem. And so you and I are going to have to help the younger. Notice how Solomon describes it. He's up late at night, it sounds like. It says, For at the window of my house I have looked out through my lattice, and I have seen among the simple. I have perceived among the youths a young man lacking sense, passing along the street near her corner, taking the road to her house of the twilight, in the evening at the time of night and darkness. And behold, the woman meets him, dressed as a prostitute, wily of heart. And I think all Solomon has told his son is, you know, I see, I see the younger engaging in this problem. They're the ones that are more susceptible. They're the ones that have the, the difficulty, even more so than as we get older. And so we have to be aware of that. And now he tells his son, now let me tell you some specific things about what's going to happen to you. Notice in, in chapter 6 and verse 33. Wounds... And dishonor will he get, and his disgrace will not be wiped away. That's a a pretty chilling statement that Solomon makes to his son. He says, son, you are going to absolutely destroy your reputation if you engage in sexual sins. 
And notice how it's described there. You can't wipe it away. It doesn't matter how much time goes by as a sun. That's just a stain that sticks on you. And it will not go away. You can't wash it off. It's not going to go away. And so he says, wounds and dishonor. This is going to hurt. And he's described that. You're going to put yourself through painful, emotionally painful time if you engage in these things. But even more so, he says, your reputation is just going to nosedive. Have we not seen that? I'm sure you know people. I know people. That's just the case. People who are innocent, who've had their spouses cheat on them, their reputation even nosedives, and they were innocent and didn't do anything wrong. How much more to the one who commits the act? And he's saying, your reputation is toast. You think anything, anybody's going to think of you well if you engage in those things. Second, this is interesting to me that he brings this up. He points out loss of wealth. Listen to this. Keep to a path far from her. Do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your best strength to others. And your years to one who is cruel, lest strangers feast on your wealth, and your toil enriches another man's house. That's interesting to me. That's not what I would have expected just to be sitting right there in the Proverbs. Is that you engage in those things, you're going to lose a lot of time and a lot of money, is essentially what it comes down to. And I think we understand that. Uh, From divorce, from counseling from all sorts of the massive consequences that take place from sexual sins and the impact that that has on a marriage, the impact that that has on other individuals is just immeasurable. And Solomon is just saying, son, don't think that it only just affects you and your own desires. The impact of sexual sin is so far reaching. It reaches down even to your strength, it says, and to your wealth. It is going to affect every aspect so much that he says it's the destruction of yourself. Powerful words. Listen to this. He who commits adultery lacks sense. He who does it destroys himself. Those are powerful words. Not only are you foolish, you lack sense, but you are destroying yourself. He will go on. I did not listen. This is the, the, the person after the fact. This is a, I love how the Proverbs uh, personify these various elements. And so here you have the person after committing sexual sin. I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ear to my instructors. I am at the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. Utter ruin is what he says. <laughs> Here is the person who did not listen to Solomon's wise words. Oh, no, I'll be fine. It's no big deal. Nobody's going to know. I'll be fine through it. Don't change anything. And he says, I'm ruined utterly by engaging in these things. The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him, and he is held fast in the cords of sin. He dies for lack of discipline, and because of his great folly, he is led astray. I want you to notice this one. Because he points out that it is extremely easy to sacrifice your soul if you engage in sexual sin. Notice what it says there. You are ensnared and held fast by the cords of sin. You know how hard it is to get your life straight after you've engaged in that kind of thing? That's what he's saying. This isn't like, oh, well, I took some bubble gum from the store. This is major, far-reaching impact down to the soul, emotionally, physically, spiritually. And he says, 
For you to turn around is a tall, tall order. You are ensnared to your iniquities. You are held fast to the cords of sin. You're bound up into the slavery of sin. It's hard to get out. And so it's a very strong warning he gives to his son. With persuasive words, she leads him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. All at once he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose until an arrow pierces his liver, like a bird darting into a snare. He does not know that it will cost him his life. Solomon could not have been more serious to his son about the consequences of what takes place. He says, it's like an ox walking its way to the slaughter, like a deer caught in the trap, like a bird darting into the snare. You don't realize it, but you're going to your end. It will destroy you that gravely. And so he's saying, my son, don't do this. Look at the consequences Do not allow your mind to fantasize and visualize and think, oh, won't it be wonderful? That's what the movies do. They sit there and say, oh, it would just be so much better. My husband or my wife is such an ogre and I could just go be with this other person and it will just be wonderful and we will pan to the the fireplace every day and it will be great. Whatever. And that's all Solomon just said. you got to be kidding me. You must be kidding me to think that somehow all a reality is going to be put on hold and you will live in this fantasy world where you will not pay consequences for your actions, that you will not have to deal with the repercussions of your actions, that you will not have an impact upon your family, upon your friends, upon a church, upon your own soul. You're crazy. And that's all he's just trying to get across. Don't buy into the belief that it will not change your life. It will. And it will change it so badly, you may not recover from it. That's what he tells us so. It will change it so severely, you may not recover. So how do we prevent it? I think the first thing that Solomon does very wisely is he says, essentially, don't put yourself in tempting circumstances. Did you see that earlier? We, we had it on the screen, but if you have your Bible still, chapter 7 and verse 6, and he's looking out the window. I looked at the window through the lattice, I looked through the window of my house, looked through the lattice. I have seen the sim- among the simple, I perceived among the youths a young man lacking sense. Now notice verse 8. Passing along in the street near her corner, taking the road to her house in the twilight, in the evening, at the time of night of darkness. He says, essentially, do you see what that foolish, simple man is doing? He's putting himself in danger, essentially. What is he doing walking around out there in the middle of the night? <laughs> almost you see Solomon is just like has insomnia that night. For some reason, he looks out the window and here's this young man doing things out there in the middle of the night. What are you doing? That's foolishness. And I think some interesting things that, that, that we, can, we can consider for ourselves. Uh, never be alone with a person of the opposite gender. Don't do that. That's what you see going on here. Eh? He's walking around the middle. My dad always told me, nothing good happens after midnight. Solomon just said that. <laughs> Solomon just said that right there. What is this young man doing out in the middle of the night wandering around the streets? Finding trouble. That's what you're finding. Not good. Trouble. And so he says, I think we learned very well. Don't, don't be alone with a person of the opposite gender. I, I remember my dad telling me that over, he's, he's a preacher. 
And you don't go to a Bible class in a woman's household by yourself. Not, not a good idea. Very bad idea. He told me a story one time. He went to a woman's house to teach, and she opened the door in lingerie. And he went, bye. <laughs> you wouldn't expect that, would you? <laughs> Whoa. Temptation in the face. Don't put yourself in the scenario. Don't put yourself in the scenario. Put yourself in that circumstance. Don't be alone with a person of other gender. If it cannot be helped, be in broad daylight, be in public. Remember my father told me, you go out on a date, for some reason you come home and we're not home. You can't go to a public place. He first said, go to a public place, go to the Taco Bell, something like that. He said, sit on the curb. <laughs> Don't go in the house. Don't be alone. Don't put yourself in the circumstances. This is the first warning that Solomon is giving. That's why he told this story. That's why he told him about who he just saw, these young men wandering around the streets. Don't put yourself in those circumstances. You have to remain accountable. And I think that's very important. Let me start with the young people. Young people, it should not be a big deal to you to have your parents aware of where you are. It shouldn't be a big deal. If you don't want your parents to know where you are, then you're doing something wrong. <laughs> That's just as simple as that. You're doing something wrong. Now I know. I still remember my arguments. <laughs> I'm independent. I can do whatever I want. Don't you trust me? As my dad told me, I trust you. I don't trust others. <laughs> True. <laughs> don't put yourself in those circumstances. Younger people remain accountable to your parents. But that doesn't change to us older ones. Married, unmarried, remain accountable. There's no reason why my wife shouldn't know where I am at any time and feel like she can get a hold of me at any time. There's no reason for that. Why would I not want her to know where I am? Because I'm doing something wrong then. Huh? <laughs> that's the only reason why. Remain accountable. And so that's what he's saying, son, don't fall into the trap. Don't put yourself in those circumstances. I love verse 8 of chapter 5. Run away. This is just great. I mean, best reminder of all, verse 8, keep your way far from her and do not go near the door of your of her house. <laughs> He's like, if you see the temptation over there, walk way over here. Do not get close. Remember I just said, you think you can carry fire and not be burned? Don't get close to the fire. Don't get near it. Get far, far away. And I put up there, remember the example of Joseph? Run, man, run. <laughs> Flee sexual immorality. Literally. Get out of the circumstance. Get far away from it as you can. Now friends, that's, that's important because it also means run away from your computer if you have to. Run away from your computer. Put the locks on. Get the guards on. You have to work and use the internet and you're untrustworthy. Better get the guard on there. Let your wife pull the history up every day. That'll work. Do whatever it takes. Run away. Run far away. Third, he points out that sexual desires would be fulfilled in marriage. Young people, you have to remember that. Those desires are acceptable and given to you by God, but they are to be fulfilled only in marriage. Chapter 5, verse 15. Drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets, let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. 
Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. Let her breasts fill you at all times with delight, be intoxicated always with her love. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? I like the first sentence there. He just said self-control, son. Self-control. Drink water from your own cistern. Don't be looking around to everybody else. Don't be thinking that the grass is always greener on the other side. Don't think, oh boy, my my wife, my husband, boy, that's just so terrible. Yeah, okay. You go and leave for them, and in one year you'll say the exact same thing about them. We live in a fantasy world. And he's saying, be intoxicated with your spouse. Have eyes only for him or her. Pay attention to her. All the things that you did that you found so intoxicating when you were dating that you just you didn't see anybody else in this world. You only saw that one. Where'd it go? Bring it back. Look only at her. Do the things that you did in the past to rekindle the fire. Don't tell me you fell out of love. I'll beat you. Don't do that. <laughs> I get so tired of hearing that. You hear that on TV. Oh, we fell out of love. No, you didn't. You stopped trying. You stopped trying. When a man tries to do everything for his wife and the woman tries to do everything for her husband, it's what you were doing when you were dating and it seemed a cause to bring you together. And they'll bring you together again. And they're saying, son, don't look at the forbidden woman. Don't embrace the adulterous woman. We live in a very dangerous society that says that these things are acceptable. We live in a society that says you'll be happy if you engage in those things. And it is an utter lie. And we have to be aware of that. And friends, we need to tell our children that. We've got to teach the young ones this. And reiterate the destruction that takes place in your own life if you engage in those things. And much more the wreckage of all those around in that, in that situation. First, let me encourage you. No doubt sexual temptations are very compelling. No doubt about it. Probably one of the strongest weapons that Satan engages in. And any wonder, especially in our society, the things that are in the movies, the things that are on television, we have an onslaught of sexuality on a daily basis. Be careful. Fight the fight. You might need to turn off your TV by 10 o'clock. It seems things get really out of whack on there after that. You have to block out some channels. Fight the fight. Stand against it. And see the end result of such actions. When you are tempted, when you do have that desire and that fantasy seems to come to your mind and you dwell on it in your heart, think about the end results. Destruction of reputation was described. Many pains and sorrows, Solomon described. Entangled in the cords of sin so much that you may not get out. That's how grasping and how deep these sins are. Realize it hurts you the most. It will change your life forever. And steps to avoid it, Avoid the situations. Don't be out late at night. Don't be with people you shouldn't be with. Don't be in compromising situations. Run away when the situation does arise and realize God has only allowed 
for those desires to be fulfilled in marriage. Solomon, wise words to his son. And I hope wise words to us as we try to fight the temptations that Satan throws at us. You pull your song books out. We're going to sing a song in just one minute. It is a song of invitation to you to come to the Lord, to have the good life now. You see, God, God laid all this out. He knew that going down the road that Satan laid is painful. It brings so many sorrows. Don't go down that road. Choose to follow Jesus Christ today. Serve Him with all of your heart. Realize that His way is the best way. And it will help you have a smoother life in this world and the guarantee of eternal life with heaven with Him. Turn away from your sins. Be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins to begin that relationship with God. When you're immersed in water, your sins are taken away. You're now a child of God, clean and holy in His sight, acceptable before Him. Serve Him with all of your heart. Won't you be baptized this morning while we stand here and we sing?